0: The sounds of success vary from person to person.
1: Over to second, in time, on the first, double
0: play! Success sounds like this to a Credenz soybean grower. When you pick Credenz, you get a precise variety that fits your field. A variety built to work in your soil type and conditions with targeted traits for local pest and disease pressures. Earning the satisfaction of a successful soybean crop? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
2: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams hello everyone. welcome to Adams on
1: Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. Busy show coming up today, Steve Nicholson with Robo Agrofinance will be joining us. We'll be talking markets. We'll get a harvest update from Central Illinois with Chad Colby on today's program. We're we'll going to talk about uh, some things happening with uh, clean water waters of the US and also the RFS. We'll talk about those with DTN reporter Todd Neely in a bit. But we're very happy to have with us to kick off our show today, Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. We want to talk about the Farmers' First Act. Very important, some increase in funding for mental health resources and services for farmers. Senator Baldwin, thank you for joining us here on Adams on Agriculture.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
1: Farmers' First Act. I know this is a, a bipartisan effort. Tell us a little bit about it.
3: Well, I worked across the aisle with... Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa. Both of us represent um, agricultural states, and I think we had each heard in our respective states about the incredible toll that uh, stress was taking on our ag community, whether they're farmers or farm workers. Um, For example, as you know, Wisconsin is America's dairyland. We've seen more than 1,800 dairy farms in Wisconsin go out of business in the last two-plus years. And we've also heard uh, devastating reports from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention um, finding that farmers and other individuals who work in agriculture are experiencing a high rate of death by suicide. And um, at times like this, um, it's so essential that we... Um, increase the support uh, and outreach uh, for uh, making sure that people can reach out for help. And um, so the Farmers' First Act, which was a part of the 2018 Farm Bill, um, provides funding for local mental health resources and suicide prevention programs, particularly focused on people who work in agriculture.
1: Yes, a tremendous stress in the ag industry, and especially a year like this, uh, it's been so very challenging. Now, specifically, uh, how would the Farmers First Act, where would this funding go, how will it be used?
3: So it'll be used for a variety of activities. It is a competitive grant um, uh, through the U.S. Department of Agriculture to state departments of agriculture or state extension services, nonprofits, and tribes. And it's used to help establish resources, um, training for farm advocates and support groups, um, and to reestablish the farm and ranch stress assistance network. When we find that you know um, people experiencing great stress, and often um, you know not reaching out to others, keeping it all inside, um, it's really important that lay people, and not necessarily people who've been Uh, uh, gotten extensive training in um, mental health services, uh, but who interact a lot with farm workers and farmers and ranchers, um, that they know the signs, that they can um, support and connect people enduring a lot of stress with the services that can help. And so it's really uh, uh, an approach that uh, does a lot of outreach in addition to connecting people with the resources they need.
1: This is really something we all need to be more aware of, uh, watch people around us, uh, look for signs of stress or concern, and and be willing to uh, help someone we think might be in need. Uh, if not, uh, just give them a shoulder to uh, lean on, an ear to listen to them, and help direct them to... Uh, you know where they can get some help if they need it because a lot of times people won't won't publicly or just come out and seek that help so we all need to work together on this
3: it's exactly the case and that's what we've found so you know if, if somebody's not likely to reach out um, it's great if we can provide a little bit more insight and uh, training to the folks that will be interacting with that farm worker or farmer or rancher Um, That, you know, in in the case of dairy, uh, talking about, um, uh, you know, the the people who come to the farm to pick up the milk, the folks who uh, uh, the farmers likely speaking to on the phone about um, lending opportunities and and, uh, the farm agencies, the extension workers, all of those who are going to have much more frequent interaction who can just sort of check in and say, um, you know, offer uh, referral to help um, when, uh, when they see warning signs.
1: We're talking with Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin, a member of the Senate Appropriations Committee, who worked to pass this amendment last week to a Senate Appropriations Bill, uh, That's the Farmers First Act. So, uh, this was a big step. Now, what's the next step in this, Senator?
3: Yes, well, um, you know, as I mentioned before, we got the Farmers' First Act as part of the 2018 Farm Bill, but annually our effort is to make sure that it has adequate resources to really work the way we intend it to. And so last um, week I worked with a, a, another uh, uh, another bipartisan duo here. I worked with Senator Moran to... Um, increase uh, the funding available for Farmers First uh, by $6 million to a total of $8 million over last year. Um, the House uh, Agriculture Appropriation Bill um, is also well funded, and so we hope that it will be um, an adequate and appropriate amount when we get through our negotiations to a final bill.
1: Can you give us an update on those negotiations?
3: Well, it was just last week on Thursday that the Senate passed the Agriculture Appropriations Bill, um, and so now both houses have passed their own version. Um, the uh, The lead negotiations go to the uh, chair and ranking member of each of the uh, of, of each of the houses and um, this is a bill that has a lot of bipartisan support so i'm hopeful that uh, we can resolve differences uh, very quickly
1: and I, I want to commend you and all those involved in this for the bipartisan effort i think we need a lot more of that in congress it's encouraging to see it happening
3: it is indeed and uh... that's the way our constituents uh, expect us to work so um, you know Uh, We, we, um, especially those of us who represent major agricultural states, think that uh, uh, supporting our farmers uh, is something that uh, should see no party line.
1: Well, this is very important, this funding for the Farmers' First Act. Senator Tammy Baldwin from Wisconsin has been our guest, member of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Senator, thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing this uh, go all the way through, hopefully, and uh, uh, talking with you about it again in the future. Thank you.
3: Thank you.
1: Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get to some of the other issues of the day. DTN reporter Todd Neely will join us. We'll get updates on some things happening with the Clean Water Act and the waters of the U.S. and the RFS and much more. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Items on agriculture brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a
2: dryer fueled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel costs. Propane from FS
4: ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs
1: to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying,
2: choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Recently
1: on Atoms on Agriculture, Polly Rulin is CEO of the United Soybean Board. Polly, how, how do you look at this as these new products gain more and more of a foothold in the marketplace? What should the livestock industry's response be and can the two work together to feed the world?
3: Certainly the protein category and the opportunity for U.S. protein in the future is not a, a thing about size. It's how do we get together on this? Even if we are focused on a domestic market, that we know the potential for growth in protein consumption we know people are under consuming protein we understand that there is a is growth potential in the domestic market but it's nothing like the growth potential in the international market so i think the first step is not thinking about it as sides but thinking about it as u.s farmers u.s protein farmers collaboratively taking on the potential in the global market in coming years
1: For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Adams
1: on Agriculture is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. want to thank Wisconsin Senator Tammy
1: Baldwin for joining us last segment and for her efforts part of a bipartisan effort to increase funding for the Farmers First Act providing farmers with mental health resources and services as I said this is something we all need to be more aware of Uh, when someone we know uh, seems to be acting a little differently uh, it doesn't hurt to just you know Check on them and let them know that you're thinking about them and uh, is there anything you can do to help them. A lot of stress in the ag community always, but especially in a year like this. And um, we really have to kind of watch out for each other. And and programs like this uh, can be very, very helpful to to get assistance, uh, make it available. Uh To those who need it, and we need to make sure they're aware of the the help that is out there so uh congratulations to Senator Baldwin and the others involved in this bipartisan effort so good to to see both sides of the political uh you know, on both people on both sides of the political aisle working together. I wrote about this uh in a in a commentary in our American ag network uh, newsletter last week, and I talked about it some as well about the need for more bipartisan effort. And uh, members of Congress need long arms because the political aisle is wider than it has ever been. And it takes long arms to reach across. It's not always easy. It's not always a popular thing to do in politics today and in our uh, divided uh, society. But it's important. That's how things get done, both sides working together. And uh, this is another example of it. And uh, hopefully, it'll be able to make its way through the appropriations process and get this uh, needed funding for a very important program. All right, joining me now is DTN reporter Todd Neely. Todd, how are you doing?
5: Good, Mike, how are you? Good.
1: You know, um, I often talk about ag in the courtroom. So much gets decided these days in in the judicial system, and we're certainly seeing that play out uh, with some environmental issues, aren't we?
5: Yeah, absolutely, Mike. You know, uh, we've covered the, the waters of the U.S. rule for a number of years. I mean, dated back to 2015, Uh, When the Obama administration put out uh, a rule that agriculture and many states across the country came out against and challenged legally, um, that rule is essentially dead. Although, uh, you know, recently EPA finalized a repeal of uh, the 2015 rule. um, And now we're seeing some court challenges take place. And it's interesting where some of this is coming from. Um, Agriculture hasn't been saying a whole lot about the repeal, but uh, one of the big concerns that that's out there now uh, is the possibility that not only um, is the rule going back to the 1986 rules, uh, but there's a possibility that the 2015 rule could go into effect yet. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, we've got a legal challenge, two legal challenges. Uh, one that's trying to basically stop EPA from implementing the 1986 rules again, uh, which if you look over history, uh, many of the problems that agriculture has had uh, with the Clean Water Act has been from those 1986 rules and how they interpret waters of the U.S. Uh, on the other hand, the 2015 rule, when it came out, it was it was considered to be overly broad and, and uh, overly inclusive. Uh, you know, even including dry lands uh, as possible waters of the U.S. Uh, so, in two separate lawsuits, there's the possibility that either one or both of those—I should say, either one or the other. Uh, either the 1986 or the 2015 rule uh, could be uh, the rule and the law of the land at some point. And so uh, we're going to see how these cases play out. One involves the New Mexico uh, Cattle Producers Association, uh, and the other involves a number of environmental groups. And so agriculture is kind of watching both of those, but in particularly environmental groups, because that rule or that lawsuit is basically – uh, trying to say that EPA needs to go back and repromulgate the 1986 rules, uh, so it's really still quite a mess.
1: The irony here, I think, is in an effort to assure clean water, we keep muddying the waters with all these different uh, <laughs> rules and acts and challenges, and uh, I mean it's it's more confusing than ever.
5: It really is, and you know, I think uh, I think most farmers will tell you that. Uh, You know, they just want some basic understanding of what they can and cannot do. Um, And they're really, you know, even dating back to the 1986 rules, there really hasn't been no clear and convincing evidence of what the water of the U.S. and what isn't. Um, You know, EPA is going through a rewrite of of the Lotus rule as we speak, um, and certainly there's going to be some concerns about that rule. It's not entirely clear whether that's going to answer all the questions. Uh, but what we're facing now with, with these renewed court battles uh, is the possibility that no one's really going to understand what you know what's really going on. Uh, and I, I think that's the most disconcerting thing, is that we ask, you know, agriculture has asked for certainty and, and understanding, and uh, really we're just tied up in the courts more than, than ever before, honestly.
1: Talking with DTN reporter Todd Neely. Meanwhile, in the RFS uh, debate, A number of groups have come together to send another letter asking for some action on that.
5: Yeah, you know, uh, when the EPA put out the proposal uh, about how to supposedly fix the small refinery exemptions, um, obviously agriculture doesn't support that uh, for a number of reasons. But uh, one of the things we've seen along the way, you know, in getting a so-called biofuels deal in in the midst of all of it, uh, we saw many of the biofuels and ag groups come together and say this is what we want and this is what we support uh, so that that approach by agriculture groups was quite effective in, in getting a deal to begin with uh, just being behind something and being united on something and so uh, we saw uh, a number of groups about 60 of them yesterday send a letter to president trump uh, asking for him to fix uh, this proposal you know talking about uh, you know needing to to for more gallons that are actually waived in the RFS and so on. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if anything comes from, from this. You know, the president's obviously tied up in a bunch of things right now. Uh, but the one thing he needs is, is the rural vote. And I think there are a lot of people in rural America uh, who aren't happy with the EPA proposal. And so we'll see if this leads to more White House meetings and whatever else going forward. You know, we're still going through a public comment period on the. So we'll see where that all comes out in the mix.
1: Yeah, you'd have to be naive to think that the uh, the upcoming election won't play a part in this in some way, because obviously it does. Uh, I think, if nothing else, that letter with that many signatures on it and who they represent, uh, at least, you may not get what you want, but at least it gets the point across to the White House that a lot of people are unhappy about this.
5: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think uh, EPA has kind of portrayed this this whole proposal as, Uh, you know, what was agreed to by both sides. Um, You know, agriculture has been trying to say since that came out, they've been trying to get the word out that this isn't what we, this isn't what we agreed to. This isn't what we thought it was going to be. It'll be interesting to see if the White House, the president himself, even understands what's going on. Or perhaps something like this, when you get this many groups involved, uh, this many groups active in this, I think it definitely does, and it should, you know, get the attention of the administration. We'll see what happens, though.
1: and I think that and maybe this is happening. I don't I don't know for sure. I'm not in the yeah. discussions. But it it seems like Todd that the president has really listened to Andrew Wheeler on a lot of this. At some point, doesn't he also need isn't this where Secretary Purdue needs to step in and say, hey Make sure you hear what agriculture is saying on it. Isn't that his role? I mean, that's supposedly a big uh, strong suit of Secretary Perdue is he has the ear of the president. I think he needs to make sure that if Andrew Wheeler's talking in one ear, Secretary Perdue needs to be is talking in the other ear.
5: Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think I think that's a great point. Um, you know, USDA has supposedly been behind this and supporting uh, this recent proposal. Uh, there's not been a lot said. I mean, even Secretary Perdue himself. Uh, Has seemed to indicate that he doesn't quite understand the opposition to it. Um, So, yeah, I I think that you know if this is going to get done the right way, as agriculture sees it, have to have that voice from. We have to have Secretary Perdue in there and and telling the president that one, this isn't what uh, you know agriculture thought it was getting, and two, if we're going to make this proposal the right thing for agriculture. Uh, we got to make sure and, and uh, make sure EPA follows the law when it comes to the RFS.
1: So we're kind of waiting to now right for the RVO levels for next year. That that'll tell us something, I guess.
5: Yeah, that's where this is all going to play out. You know, uh, the RVOs are due on the thirtieth of November, and so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, EPA, you know, heard in the public comment uh, last week that that this isn't what uh, agriculture was looking for, and I think. Uh, you would hope that the EPA would would listen and make changes. Although there hasn't been a real great history of of these public comments and these public hearings really amounting to much in terms of you know actual changes to policies and proposals. And so um, it's going to be interesting. But I think EPA has an opportunity here um, to get it right. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of ways of doing this, and there's simple ways and there's complex ways.
1: We'll see how it plays out. Todd, good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely up next. We'll talk about harvest progress and markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance. Stay with us on AOA.
0: Some measure success by Italian suits, corner offices and luxury yachts. Farmers measure success differently. It's breathing fresh country air taking care of the people you love and knowing how to measure success in your soybean acres? That's smart. With Credenz soybeans, you get a precise variety bred to figure acres. And that Credence variety comes with agronomic expertise and local insights from your BASF team. So plant your sign of success. Talk to your authorized Credence retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Oh, well, joining us now is Steve Nicholson, analyst with Robo AgriFinance. Steve, here we are early November, and well, we're roughly, what, half done with harvest. Uh, what do the markets make of that?
4: Yeah, good morning, Mike. Oh, the markets are, I think the market's been pretty well prepared for this. It's going to be, a, I think, a long harvest. And, you know, I think the markets are worried about lots of other things right now. It's You know, it's worried about China. Uh, it 's worried about u s what USDA is going to say on this week uh, on yields on corn and soybeans uh, you know i think it 's starting to look at think about what 's happening in South America and worried about you know is the weather good is the weather bad are the expanding acres for soybeans and corn and you know all those things and you know a s f is still a part of that conversation uh, and a lot of and i you know I think one thing it's it 's a market that farmers don 't think about a lot but You look at the vegetable oil markets around the globe, and they they've had a a pretty good run here. Um, So there's you know demand for uh, for product. I mean, you look at soybean oil demand has been extremely good, both for biodiesel and domestic use. Uh, Meal demand for soybeans has been okay. It's it's not growing a lot, which I was a little surprised at looking at you know latest numbers coming out of USDA. But um, the fact is, there's still good crush numbers, and the crushers are making money. So they're there are lots of things kind of revolving around the market, but I don't know that I'd say there's one dominant theme the market's trying to focus on and figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, a lot. As you said, a lot going on. Let's let's talk about China while well, we wait to see what this partial deal may or may not entail. Meanwhile, they are making some uh, pretty good purchases.
4: And I looked at this yesterday. You know, as we think about probably talk about this today. And and I'm using export inspections. So I, and I realize that those change but I'm using initial reports, so they're close. If you look at through week nine of this crop year, we China has taken a little over 2 million metric tons of soybeans versus a year ago it was about 400, a little over 400,000 metric tons. So, you know, four or five times, I guess five times, you new know my my grade school math, you know, five times greater beans than they took a year ago. So that's good news. Is it what they used to take, um, you know, two years ago now? No are we still running behind what we typically do yes we are and soybeans are running behind but they're taking more and so i think we have to be conscious of that and the fact is that they are taking beans Um it's just not the pace i think we'd all like to see So that's that's good news
1: yeah it is uh... you have to put it in context like you say not what it that's used right. to be but certainly certainly better than it had been for the last year well, that's, that's for sure
4: that's, ex- that's exactly right and i think that you know in you, you, your question about China, I think it, your phrase is exactly correct. I think we have to wait and see what this, what this means. It, is this, are they going to buy 40 to $50 billion worth of agricultural goods? They probably will. Is that over a one-year period? Probably not. Is it over a two-year period? Likely. Um, but we haven't seen a, I haven't seen a definite, say, $40 billion, $40, $50 billion of agricultural goods in the United States over this period of time. I think that's still in question i think there's still a lot of details in question here and like we've seen back and forth you know the president will say something the chinese will say no that's not what we agreed to the chinese will say something and then the, the and they're they never seem to be on the same page and that's concerning um because you if you're negotiating a trade situation you want everyone on the same page and that that seems to be a little elusive here in the last several weeks. So again, I think like we've said more than once, we got to wait and see what the ink says on the paper and who when it gets signed and make sure everyone's in agreement. Um, I understand, you know, uh, Mr. Ambassador Lighthizer was optimistic this morning. Um, I think that's a good sign. Uh, if he's optimistic, then that's a good sign things are moving forward because he, he knows what's going on and he's there every day and I and I have a lot of faith in that. So I think we just take it one day at a time and we just we'll just wait for it to develop i don't think we can speculate one way or the other it's going to be this it's going to be good or it's going to be bad or it's going to be in the middle whatever the case might be but take it one day at a
1: time. and try not to be pessimistic but being realistic even if when a deal gets signed then you got to make sure they live up to the deal right and that based on the history with china that can be a challenge
4: it is absolutely and i and i wish there was an article in the new york times oh gosh it's been several months ago now that That answered that question really well and talked about that history with China, and China has repeatedly made promises, not just the United States, but you know other trade promises globally have never and not lived up to them. They might live up to partial, but yeah, they they have a history that, and I think you know, and you think about that from a U.S. perspective. If you think back over the years when we'll say when relations were good, and I put that in quotes in the sense where they're buying lots of beans. You know, they were still canceling contracts even though they were taking lots of beans. And you know, for us in the United States, you know, a contract there's a sanctity of a contract. They don't believe in that. And and that's very frustrating because you you know, you and I sign a contract, I expect you to perform and you expect me to perform and it's a done deal. In the Chinese it's never a done deal until the goods are delivered right. and there's a check in the mail, and you know the check is in the mail. So that is a I think a concern all the way down is will they live up to their promises and second of all have we damaged that relationship to a point where it's going to take a long time to repair it and we get back to the point where we were before the trade
1: war we're talking with grain and oil seeds analyst for robo agra finance steve nicholson all right what are you expecting uh, this friday in the report
4: (laughs) well you know it's i've been wrong all year on the corn yields and so i probably you know should i shift my view and think oh, they're going to be great you know, I will tell you, this is what I've heard in the country, and, I, and I've heard this across the entire Corn Belt, not just in the Western Corn Belt, and I'm sure you've heard it as well, and I, I'm sure our listeners have it as well. You know, corn yields, the words I've often heard is, they're better than expected, and I'm pleased with them. So that's that doesn't sound like a situation other than in some places of the Missouri River Valley uh, and maybe parts of the Northwestern Corn Belt, uh, you know, a disaster brewing. So... You know, at worst, I think the USDA, it doesn't appear right now like a 93 scenario where we get the November numbers and, oh, by the way, the corn's not there. It it looks like the corn yields are going to, you know, the corn yield is going to stand where it is. You know, my suspicion is it may be just exactly where it was last month. Um, The market, I think, is looking for a little bit of an uptick in that market um, going from there. So corn yields probably steady um, and maybe yet even a little higher, but I think stable is, is probably a good good place to be right now soybeans i think are a different story you know i keep hearing a i don't hear many people saying boy i'm really excited about my soybean yields uh, i think they've been okay they've been average. they've been on their five-year average or their 10-year average of a farm um they've been a little disappointing hither and yon but i think soybeans probably see, maybe see another further you know further cut in soybean yields you know on thursday and i think that's the market that i think is the one that's probably the most interesting to me and the one to watch the closest. I mean, we saw actually a pretty big cut in, in ending stocks and soybeans last, last month in October. You know, we're now under 500 million bushels. Does that get cut further? And you start cutting that, say we get another 100 million bushels out, now you're getting under 400 million. Now, we're not in a situation that's extremely tight, but it is a situation that, you know, if China would buy a few more beans than we expect, uh, crush continues to be good and we... We crush a few more beans because we're shipping more meal. Um, oil demand stays good, then that bean market maybe looks like it has a little bit more upside run to it. Um, so I think that's that's a market I think we need to be paying attention to and watching very closely.
1: While watching the weather in South America, and they've had challenges here in their planting season.
4: They have had challenges in their planting season, and I think it's. And, and I'm gonna. It kind of goes back to we start to talk. To think about perspective. Versus a year ago, they're kind of running a little bit behind. Now, this is the time of year, and I'm gonna, I'm focusing on Brazil, so I, I'm going to make that reference. Focusing on Brazil, and Argentina has its issues as well, and that's probably as much as a political issue as is an economic or a weather issue, um, or it's economic and political rather than a weather issue. But Brazil, you know, this is the time of year they start to see rain get more frequent. And so I think it's... I don't know that it's really high time to get panicked about the Brazilian crop at this point. You know, I think the thing is, it is going in on pretty much a five-year average. It's just behind a year ago, Um, and so I think that is a little bit of a concern, the markets look at that. Now, you know, that was, you know, for us here in the United States from a corn perspective, you know, if they plant a few less acres of of corn next year in the second crop, you know, that's good for us. But I think it's a little bit too early to get too, too concerned about that. Now, I think the Argentine situation, I think, is very, is, you know, talk about beans under to watch. I think that's where we need to be paying attention in South America, is Argentina. You have a new administration. Uh, do we go back to the point of high export taxes, which means, you know, less corn and soybeans get, and, and wheat to a certain extent get exported to the United States or out of Argentina, gives us an opportunity maybe to export a little, a little bit more corn and a little more, more wheat, because it's just, they're not going to be competitive in the world. So I think that's a that's a very real situation to be paying attention to, and and, and kind of stay tuned as to what's happening because we we know what happened the last four years, and Argentina is it always seems is like a is like a roller coaster economically that we have to pay attention to and has impacts on our market directly. So South so America a lot of is things, definitely able to watch. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, a lot of things to watch. Real quick, you're not. It doesn't sound like you're expecting a a big shock friday but who knows right but you're not expecting it at this point
4: i'm not expecting a big shock on friday as we've always said and i know we're running short on time the basis is where the activity is that's where the action is and i think from a producer standpoint that's where your opportunity is going to be to make some hay on your on your marketing is is to lock in those basis levels when they when you see them tick up and and we've already seen the eastern Cornwall has stayed strong all year long um and it looks like that's going to continue to be the case, and we're starting to see the Western Corn Belt get a little bit more dicey as well. Um, and so from a, from a seller's perspective, that's where your opportunity is going to be as the basis. But I'm not expecting any big shocks on on Friday from the
3: USDA.
1: All right, Steve, thanks a lot. Good to talk to you.
4: Thank you. Good to talk to you, Mike. Take
1: care. Steve Nicholson, Grain and Oil Seeds Analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Up next, we'll have a harvest report, a look at how harvest is going throughout central Illinois. We'll be talking with Chad Colby next on AOA.
0: The sounds of success vary from person to person. Success sounds like this to a Credence soybean grower. Along with 43 new varieties this year, Credenz soybeans come with agronomic expertise from BASF. That means expert advisors who bring local insights on seed selection, management decisions, and crop protection options. Knowing the kind of success you're shooting for? That's smart. Talk to your authorized Credenz retailer or local BASF seed advisor. Always read and follow label directions.
2: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Our harvest report today
1: takes us to central Illinois. Chad Colby is with us. Chad, are you in a combine?
6: <laughs> Actually, I'm on my way to one right now,
1: Mike. Let's talk about uh, the harvest uh, throughout central Illinois. From what you have seen, and what I know you talk with a lot of people, a lot of farmers throughout the state. What are you hearing?
6: Well, the best part is, um, I can tell you safely, things are really ramping up. Uh, Weather looks good here now. We've got a pretty good harvest window. And a lot of guys are really getting into that late planted crop for the first time. We're talking about the stuff that was planted there in early June. And still a lot of concerns when you get to northern Illinois, even in central Illinois, because of high moisture, it's going to be a, a slower process than normal. Historically, corn moistures now would be less than 20%. It goes through the dryers or the uh, rural drying facilities very fast at your local elevator. But right now, the corn we were harvesting yesterday was still 27%, and I know there's certainly some wetter uh, moistures than that in northern Illinois. So it's going to be a, a longer process, Mike, but, um, you know, drier weather is really uh, making things. Temperatures is slowing down that point getting back at it pretty good right
1: now for as late as the harvest is and here we are early November uh, throughout central Illinois especially now northern Illinois had some parts of the country some big challenges as well but we had some pretty good windows in October and now as you say a pretty good window here November in central Illinois for harvest
6: yeah absolutely Mike I think it kind of goes without saying we had a little short window in the spring when we planted for that late may little run of a few days where guys really ran around the clock we kind of had the same run this fall we had a good run here a couple three weeks ago but you're 100 right there's uh there's still tremendous challenges when you get up in the dakotas i talked to a good friend of mine last night who's about an hour north of grand forks and farms a lot and he he sent me a picture he was watching the football game last night on tv because their corn is standing well, it's going to freeze up there, and they're going to let it sit in the field another ten days because it is still almost thirty percent moisture. So there's just going to be a lot of concerns getting this last twenty percent of the corn crop out. In fact, Mike, I'm driving um, west of, or I'm sorry, east of Bloomington, about thirty miles, and I'm looking at both sides of the road. So we still got a fair amount of soybeans in Illinois. certainly gonna take a little while for those soybeans to be fit but all in all finally starting to get a little window to get a lot of harvest out
1: yields are variable Uh, we have to keep it in context Uh, I think what I've heard a lot of uh, pretty good for this year certainly not as good as last year
6: that as a professional Mike that's really accurate I I think spots certainly at 19 that that beat their expectations if you would you know, one, a good friend of mine, he's over in the Watsika area. I talked to him yesterday, and he's like, you know what, my corn's doing 175 bushel. And I said, well, aren't you thrilled about that? He goes, yeah, a month ago, I wouldn't have thought this would have made 130. My goodness, 50 bushel from the The big concern that I've been noticing, too, Mike, is what this late harvest is going to do in places across the Midwest. When you start talking about 2020, um, I talked to a lot of fertilizer retailers here in the last couple of weeks, got a lot of friends in that industry, and they're concerned because all of a sudden you start backing into November, you're running out of time to get your field. And fertilizer applications, and obviously if you're muddying out crops at all, you got a field that, that the conditions aren't as good as, There's just, it just brings on a little bit of challenges already to 2020, dare we say
1: over more in my area more west central illinois i've seen done we've had some uh, really good windows to to get some of that done so a little better than we might have thought being this late in the year with harvest
6: yeah you're 100 right i noticed last night we harvested till the we caught the dryer last night late it was 8 39 o'clock and i was heading back toward bloomington And my goodness there were tractors everywhere in the field so Guys are going to do all they can to get it done. But, you know, certainly the first step is getting the crops out of the field. And uh, the other thing we want to make sure we mention, too, and is just be careful. Um, a lot of guys working a lot of hours right now. I think a lot of people already kind of forgot that harvest is over as far as the, the non-farming public. Just be careful. Um, make sure everybody stays real safe. too.
1: Yeah, a lot of long hours and more of those hours now with the time change in the dark.
6: Yeah, that's 100% right. My dad always told me, I was doing it last night with the combine. He's like, when the sun goes down, you slow the combine down a half mile an hour. Just a good rule of thumb, Chad, and don't back up. He always told me that when I combine, you go forward, son. I'm like, okay, dad, all right. Right, it's just uh, it's that time of year, and I'll be honest. I... To get 2019 behind him, it's been such a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's been a real long year. And I know there's a lot of relief when we get done. And there's some guys, I think, when you start talking the end of this week, first of next week, there'll be a fair amount of producers here in central Illinois that are done. Obviously, uh, man, our sure thoughts are with the guys in northern Illinois. They got a long way to go. Some of those guys just got started with harvest this week. Imagine that.
1: What are you seeing with the stock quality? How's it doing out there this late in some of the conditions that it's had to deal with? Well,
6: we, we were in a couple different fields yesterday and a couple different varieties, and it, it's a challenge for every seed company right now. These crops have been in the field a long time. They've had a lot of struggling. I shouldn't say struggling, but challenges with weather, high winds, lots of rain. Um, there's some places where corn went down really bad. I know most guys had went in early to get down, to harvest their down corn. Um, the the best or worst story I can tell you is we had one 14-acre Area in a field took me six hours to harvest, um, just because it was laying completely flat,
2: and there were a lot of
6: pockets like that. Um, but from what I understand, the crops up north, um, you know, are actually standing very well. So, uh, when I say north, I mean up in the Dakotas and my friends up there I've talked to. So, you know, obviously fungicide and a lot of things really help with that. Now.
1: All right, Chad. Good to talk with you. Thanks for the uh, the report. Am I going to see you next week in Kansas City?
6: Absolutely, Mike. After a quick trip to uh, Agratechnica in Germany, I'll arrive out there next week, and I look forward to seeing you, Mike.
1: You do get around. Uh, we'll see you in Kansas City. Thanks, Chad. Safe travels.
6: <laughs> you you bet. Thanks, Mike.
1: Chad Colby with a Harvest Report from Illinois. Thanks for joining us on AOA.